Hello and welcome. This is a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org. We continue our podcasts about the war which Russia started against Ukraine. This series is brought to you by Internews Ukraine and Ukraine Crisis Media Center to Ukrainian media NGOs. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I'm chief editor of ukraineworld.org. We are making this podcast with Titano Harkova, who is in charge of international outreach at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Hello, Tanya. Hello, Volodymyr. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash ukraineworld. So we continue our chronicle uh, uh, of, of Russian war, Russian invasion. And uh, the first thing uh, which strikes me still that how, how much, for example, in, in foreign press, in foreign media, there is this terminology which doesn't, doesn't mention Russia, which we see Ukraine crisis. Still people are using this Ukraine crisis, which just irritates Ukrainians, make them nervous, make them frustrated. And as we repeat, uh, calling this Ukraine crisis is the same as calling the start of the World War II, a Poland crisis, or Soviet ch- uh, tanks in Czechoslovakia, a Czechoslovakia crisis. So you cannot put uh, the, the blame on the victim uh, in this terminology. Somebody, we, we see Ukraine war, war in Ukraine, etc., as if people are afraid of mentioning the, the, key, uh, the key perpetrator of this. So our suggestion is to talk about Russian invasion, Russian-Ukraine war, Russian... Um, Russian war against Ukraine. Russian war against Ukraine. Etc. What do you think? Yeah, indeed, this is a this is very important to name the things, to name things, to name the war, the war, and what really started uh, twenty on on a um, twenty eight day today, so almost a month uh, this this war started, and um, yes, uh, but in fact we do know that Russia attacked Ukraine many years ago, at least eight years ago, uh, back in 2014 with Crimea, with Donbass. But it was what we call now a local war in Donbass. But now what, what we have, we have a full-scale invasion. And Russia calls it military operation. And what we see in their media, they are calling that uh, operation. Uh, what do you think about the Z letter designed to to name this campaign, this military operation in Russia. We still have some hypotheses about that. Some people say maybe it's linked to Zelensky because the name of our president is Zelensky. That's why 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 we see this letter Z on their tanks, on their um, planes, uh, everywhere. And we also see some military machines with letter V. So maybe Volodymyr Zelensky. We still don't know why they are marking their their cars and their military t- tanks and all kind of engines with that sign. But for them, this is operation uh, of denisification, purification, and all so on. And for us, it's a full-scale war. And we do hope that f- for our international partners, this is also should be called war, because we see this traditional war started 28 years ago and which is going still going on but what we see let's talk about military strategic military what 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 we see on the ground um, i think that the main thing to mention here is that for many days already maybe even weeks already we don't see any important uh, uh, important uh, strategic uh, maneuver but by uh, Russian army. What they are doing, they are in lack of resources, uh, first of all, human resources, because there's some logistics in uh, which is not functioning properly. Uh, but the problem is that they are still on our ground and they are attacking uh, Ukraine by air. All, um, 
in Mariupol, in Kiev. Today, let's uh, talk about these uh, two attacks on Kiev t- this night. They attacked two, two different districts, Svetoshene and Shevchenkivsky uh, district. So they are, uh, Svetoshensky is not so very much central, but Shevchenkivsky is much closer to the center. Um, several civilians wounded and some dead as well. And this climate, this climate, this atmosphere of terror in, in, in Kiev, it continues because people they, who stayed in Kiev, and we know that approximately one half of the um, population of Kiev, they stayed in their apartments and they live uh, uh, from day to another thinking if the next time it will be their turn just to receive a missile on their, in their apartment. But um, this is not massive bombing like in Kharkiv. Uh, they still, for example, the uh, Russian army now, they are still shelling at Kharkiv, at Mariupol, and Mykolaiv as well in the south. But Kiev is not so very much shelled, but this uh, climate of terror is still here because uh, Kiev is very important because it is capital. And what we see now is that at least Ukrainian army is communicating that uh, these northern suburbs or these satellite towns in the north, Irpin, Bucha, Gastomil, Vorzel, that uh, Ukrainian army uh, seems to have some significant progress in this series. At least we've seen this communication about Ukrainian police starting working properly in Irpin. What does it mean? It, mean that, it means that uh, Irpin is liberated from U- Russian army. And now they are talking about that uh, Russian army, Russian forces are surrounded in Irpin, Bucha, and Gostomil. This is the most the most uh, recent information we've got. So it means that maybe um, Ukrainian army has chance, chances to be successful in this area, and this is very important for us because this is capital once again. And um, if they are out of Kiev, it will be good news for us. Yes, we, we see we have seen this report about the uh, so, uh, about the encirculating. Uh, Russian Russian troops in in these Kiev suburbs. Yesterday, we still, I mean, it's it's hard to to have a real confirmation of that because uh, the Ukrainian uh, Ukrainian army is very careful in communicating in, in communicating this. Of course, uh, we are at war, so basically, a lot of what what is going on is is beyond the media radars. So let's let's be serious about that. But there was information already yesterday that. Uh, uh, the, the Russian troops have been uh, encirculated, and um, we 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 will see what 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 it means, what it brings. Because obviously, I mean, this is one of the most important things to uh, take uh, Russians away from Kiev, away from Kiev suburbs. Because if they put, for example, Graz in in Hostomel, in in Warsaw, in Bucha, and just shell. Uh, Kiev, uh, no a- a- air defense system can protect the city. And let's explain that Graz, they are able to reach 21 kilometer. So you just put a Graz somewhere in 21 kilometer from central Kiev, it's not so so far away, and you can shell really uh, in central... Central, uh, central Kiev, but uh, I mean, uh, Kiev is huge, so you can shell, for example, residential areas 
like Obolonio Troyeshina, right? And mm -hmm. uh, be just far away. That's what happened in, in, in Kharkiv, by the way. And yesterday we were very un unhappy about the news coming from Provary, Provary, our, our city where we lived, used to live before the war. Uh, and there is a plant already bombed by Russian army. We don't, don't know exactly what happened, but it is really just several kilometers from our apartment. So this was a kind of... Uh, very boring news for us personally because we do know that uh, Bavari is is uh, pretty well protected now but with grads and what other kind of military systems they are able to reach Bavari and Bavari is already at 15 10-15 kilometers from Kiev from the east so this attack from the east is still possible and uh, it is incredible when you look on map you can see that they are they were able to, to reach Kiev from the east is quite a long distance. Uh, what we know, we know that there are kind of small groups of Russians there, but we know that there are a lot of villages already in um, 20 kilometers from Brovary where people were evacuated just because there were already Russian tanks and a lot of shelling and a lot of uh, um, um, all, all things linked to occupation. So people were evacuated to Brovary and then some of them um, further to Kiev and or to other cities. One of our colleagues actually, we lost a connection with, with her and uh, we don't know where she was. I didn't, I didn't, we didn't yet talk to her, but uh, hopefully today uh, she, uh, she said that she was evacuated. She was evacuated to Brovarium, so most probably it was near, near this district. And uh, during these days she couldn't communicate. She, she was not, she, she, she was just uh, sending us uh, SMS. So she, she's one of the, one of the, our, one of the persons from our team from Ukraine world, uh, I hope that when she's uh, uh, when she's able to speak, we'll we'll speak to her. Uh, but just to to give our readers an an idea what's happening, for example, in Kiev, because I spent the the, the past week in Kiev, and I will come back uh, very soon. Uh, it's impossible. I think it's impossible to take Kiev by land forces because it's very much fortified. It's it's it looks looks like a fortress with uh, barricades on every 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 possible street with uh, territorial defense uh, i cannot really imagine uh, tanks or i don't know armored vehicles going through kiev through the streets of kiev they will be exterminated by all, all those people who are with arms etc so what uh, what russians are doing is basically shelling from the sky yeah, but let's look at Chernihiv, for example. They started Chernihiv several weeks ago already, and their tactics, uh, what we see on the ground, is that they shell from distance from the very beginning. They shell many, many, many times just to make people afraid, to create these uh, this chaotic movements of citizens, of civil um, uh, inhabitants of the city, and then they uh, they start to attack. And what they did in Chernihiv, for example, we, we talked little about Chernikiv, but uh, this city is also another suffering city now. We talk a lot about uh, Mariupol, but Chernikiv is also without electricity and water and heating for already more than one week. And today the bad news is that Russians, they exploded the um, bridge between Chernigiv and Kiev. It means this is big road going to Chernigiv and the bridge is crossing Desna. So it means for, for the city 
that they will not be able to receive any kind of humanitarian aid, I mean in terms of something to eat, etc., and they will not be able to evacuate people. And that's extremely bad news because we know that the tactics of Russians is to encircle cities and then to create this humanitarian catastrophe. And this is extremely bad news for, for us and for people who, who are still in Chernihiv. I remember uh, several days ago we received news about an American Uh, American citizen who died in Chernigiv uh, in Shelling and he was there because he was married to a Ukrainian woman and he was invited certainly by his government, the American government, to leave the city but he was not able to do so because he would not leave his wife behind. Uh, she was Ill, Ill or something like that and so he is dead now in Chernigiv and uh, it's a pity because Chernigiv like Kiev is a a very, very ancient city with beautiful churches, beautiful monastery, very green city. It's like a symbol of Ukraine. And um, we are really worried about about what's going on there. Uh, and we do hope that Ukrainian uh, army will be able to liberate it soon. Indeed, uh, Chernihiv is also much older than Moscow or St. Petersburg or uh, many other Russian cities. And uh, it, it, it's really coming to, to in the deep, deep medieval times. And that's what Russians are now trying to destroy with their, again, inhumane and barbaric and medieval, uh, medieval in the bad sense of the term means. Let's talk about Mariupol. Uh, you mentioned it. Uh, we're trying to collect testimonies of, of people who escaped these horrors. And uh, I, will, I will read you one of the testimony uh, from a woman called uh, Nadezhda Sukharukova uh, from her Facebook post. Uh, just a, uh, several fragments. Fire has swallowed five stores of a building and is slowly chewing the sixth one. The fire in the room is delicate like in a fireplace. Black, charred houses stay without glass in their windows. I am sure that I will die soon. This is the matter of days. People are constantly waiting for death in this city. I only want this death to be not very scary. Three days ago a friend of my nephew came to us and said the missile hit the fire department. It tore off a woman's hand, leg and head. My wish is that parts of my body stay with me, even after the airstrike. When we asked two policemen what we should do with the body of our friend's grandma, they advised to put her on the balcony. Interesting, how many balconies are hiding dead bodies now? Our courtyard is covered with several layers of ash, plastic and steel fragments. I try not to look at the big steel object which flew into the playground. A missile or a mine, I don't know. In a window or third floor, I see someone's face and I turn away. Even the wind is dead. Some people stay here, however. They are lying near the house and on a parking place covered with their clothes. I don't want to look at them. I am afraid to recognize people I know. All cities' life is smoldering in the underground. People are still in the undergrounds of Mariupol. Every day makes it difficult for them to survive. They have no water, food, electricity. They can't even go outside because of constant shelling. Mariupol people have to leave. Help them tell this story. Let the world know. Yeah, this is something extremely, extremely dramatic. And um, we know that thousands of people, thousands of people, more than four uh, four. Uh, 40,000 of people were lucky enough 
to get out of the city. And we received this news. Um, still more than uh, 300,000 are still inside Mariupol. But uh, personally, I uh, cannot even tell how happy I was uh, two days ago when I received the news that our colleague, a journalist who was in Mariupol and we lost any connection with her for two weeks already. And then uh, we uh, were almost sure that we recognized her face and the face of her son on the video shared several hours before the drama theater was bombed. Uh, and But two days ago we received news that she is already out of the city. She is alive with her son. She is close. She's still close to Mariupol. I will not name the village, but she's very close. At, let us say 10 kilometers, something like that, in a village controlled by Russians. Uh, I took contact with her. She is alive. Uh, she plans to escape. She plans to take the road to Zaporizhia, but she needs driver for that car and surely money. So what we are doing now, we are trying to collect money. That maybe is the, the, the simplest thing to collect money, but the much more difficult is to find driver uh, brave enough to bring somebody. And she has to change the paper, uh, her uh, identity card, to somebody else because she is quite known in the city like a journalist and activist. And uh, we know that uh, Russians are not so so uh, sympathetic with, 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 with journalists. So we are very happy for her, but we do know that uh, the most of the population of Mariupol, they are still there. And we are receiving... Uh, really heartbreaking testimonies of people who are already out of the city. They are talking about hunger. They are talking about absence of um, water. They are talking about absence of any kind of co uh, connection. So so they, in a way, they don't know what's happening. Yeah? They don't know what's happening and what's really happening. And what we know now is that uh, Russians are taking some inhabitants, some citizens from Mariupol, they are transporting them to Russia. And they are filming them. They are making them say uh, different version of reality on the on camera, saying that, for example, it was Azov battalion or Ukrainian Nazis who were shelling the city, all that kind of stuff. And yesterday, I. I watched a video from Russian television which accused of all the horrors uh, which are happening in Mariupol. They were accusing directly Ukrainian army and Azov battalion. Yeah, that's, that's, that's the usual tactics of Russians. So if you see these reports somewhere in the internet, just, un you just understand that this is a common tactics to, to bomb the city and then blame uh, blame the opponent for or enemy for for doing that but ukrainian army doesn't have so much missiles ukrainian army and doesn't have uh, so much air air force to bomb the city you can you can see the pictures of mariupol it cannot really be done with artillery only uh, so it's basically a city erased from the from the face of the earth unfortunately and, and uh, let's let's underline once again that uh, the Russian army is doing all this horror with Russian-speaking areas, regions. I mean, with Mariupol, with Kharkiv, saying that pretending that they are defending Russian-speaking uh, population, and uh, uh, we think that this is a time to stop any kind of illusion about that. And uh, I think that we would agree with what what uh, Volodymyr Zelensky told uh, two years two days ago. He was communicating with foreign press. And he said that, yes, 
Indeed, Russians can take our cities or our towns, why not? But that, they can do that at price of uh, destroying everything and everybody. So they are not cities they are taking, but just the deserts, you know, these dead deserts, these ruins, you know, without any people and without any buildings. That's what they are doing. So, so they're bringing death everywhere they come. So this is their way to proceed. Unfortunately, what we see in Mariupol and partly in Kharkiv, they're shelling the city just to destroy everything. And then they can say that they they, they occupy, I don't know, they, they don't occupy cities, they occupy ruins, they occupy deserts without any people. That's unfortunately the price for, uh, for their do- domination. Yes, but Ukrainians are resisting, and uh, each day they publish, Ukrainians, uh, Ukrainian army is publishing the figures about Russian losses. So on the 23rd of March, uh, the number of lo- Russian losses uh, in personnel is over 15,000 people, 15,600 uh, people, 15,600 people, uh, 500 tanks, 517 tanks. Uh, over 1,000, 1.5 thousand armored vehicles, uh, 267 artillery systems. Um, what else? How about planes? Uh, more than 100 101 planes. aircraft. No, no more, more than. I, I've heard 105 already. Maybe. Because at least six planes today. Yeah, maybe. Yesterday it was obviously yeah. the 100 over Mariupol. 124 helicopters, so over 1,000 vehicles, 70 fuel tanks, etc. So uh, what is important to know? That uh, Russians have lost more personnel according to Ukrainian estimates, that uh, in uh, less than a month of a war, then Soviet army has lost in Afghanistan in 10 years. Yeah, and then this is this is remarkable. Um, what, what, is, uh, what is important also, that Russians are not publishing the, 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 the number of their losses, but it was interesting a few days ago, Komsomorska Pravda, Russian newspaper, uh, published an information that uh, about 10,000 uh, Russian soldiers uh, have been killed, uh, and it was reference to Russian military of defense. And then it was this publication was deleted. So Russians are saying that it was a hacker attack uh, of Ukrainians who just put these figures. Um, maybe this is this was it, but maybe not. Maybe this is uh, how they took the information, the secret information, that and then published. But at the same time, uh, ten thousand or fifteen thousand people, soldiers that killed in Ukraine. This is this will not stop Russia today. At least we know that uh, during the meeting uh, which took place yesterday, Putin and his. Uh, his proxies, they were talking, and Putin said, said that uh, up to 30, 50 dead soldiers, that's a normal price for victory. So they still have some some psychological, I don't know how to say it. Um, they are ready to pay much more in terms of uh, in terms of human lives on their side. This this is it. And they are in lack of military of arms and military equipment much more than they regret their losses because what we see in terms of missiles they are already using these high-tech missiles which, which could mean that they are already in short of these normal missiles so they are using a, a quite expensive material just to 
to keep uh, hitting uh, Ukrainian cities just to show that they are capable of. But at the same time, there is information coming from many, many sources and from American sources as well, from Pentagon saying that Russian army is now has less than 90% of these capacities at that very moment, starting if we take uh, so from the beginning of the war. So it is huge for them, huge losses in, in terms of tanks and in, in terms of missiles in terms of uh, all this logistics, so they are really suffering. And on one hand, this is a good news because it means that they are not progressing so fast as they would like to, and they almost stopped it at that very moment, but they could try to escalate in a different way. And what we see, and let's talk about that, uh, there is a important clash with Poland because Poland announced that they would... Um, that would uh, suggest a project of peacekeeper peacekeeper mission to Ukraine, um, international one. And but they were trying to to show this idea to jo- to Joseph Biden first, and then if he approves, then to make something of that. And we are waiting for results because and but but we also uh, are attentive. Uh, to Russian reaction. The Russian reaction was immediate, in fact. Today, Lavrov said that if only uh, Poland or any other NATO country sends any kind of peacekeepers here, they would interpret that like a like direct clash with, uh, between Russia and NATO country. So they are ready. And what, what we also observe with very much tension is that what, what's happening in Belarus, because uh, there were many times Belarus was almost entering the war, but still they are not in the war, in this direct war. But uh, we under, now we know that, and according to NATO, information that uh, maybe Putin will push one, once again Lukashenko to participate in this war and maybe the mission for Belarusian army uh, would be to to cut Ukraine from from this uh, military supplies in the west uh, maybe it would be their mission Belarusian army is weak it never participated in any kind of war in any kind of combat so we are optimistic about that but they can still create some problems for ukrainians yes because they can uh, put um, the western ukraine at risk for example volin uh, or um, uh, galicia but uh, frankly yes when you talk uh, with ukrainian military about belarusian invasion there they're just laughing they're yeah. laughing yeah they Yes, they're they, making jokes about they oh, come on yeah do, they, to start this, this war we'll still have some more they some. don't they don't take it seriously but m- maybe some of the Belarusians would just surrender to Ukrainian army and, and will join the Ukrainian army by the way there, there are lots of Belarusian uh, Belarusian volunteers in in the Ukrainian army as well <clears throat> So what else? What else can we say? Uh, yes, we are waiting for summit. We are waiting for NATO summit tomorrow, 24th of March, and uh, Zelensky will participate in this summit. And Joe Biden is traveling to Poland. Yes. Am and, I mistaken? Um, and um, a few days ago, Zelensky talked to public broadcasters, many public broadcasters across the world. It was a very interesting conversation because uh, Zelensky shows again and again that, well, this image that that he used to win the election, right, in 2019, that I'm one of you, I'm, I'm one of uh, one of us, I'm one of these, these uh, Ukrainian people, I'm not above them. 
uh, it works very well right now, right? So there's a huge difference between how Putin communicates, like I'm above all that, and there is a huge distance between this Tsar, this dictator, and all the others, and how Zelensky communicates. So very little distance, very horizontal relations, uh, etc. And uh, there were there were many interesting in, interesting statements in this um, in this interview, which which are also kind of a re- re- revealing the state of mood of of Zelensky. What do you think? Yeah, in fact, he um, the some points were even contradictory. At least they were discussed in the Ukrainian society. For example, he was talking about um, about referendum. Uh, referendum and with the question what should Ukraine do with the territories but uh, we are often asked about why all these negotiations during the war so this is something maybe strange to have such a cruel war such a severe bombing such a genocide uh, I don't know how to name it what's happening in Mariupol and at the same time they are talking and we are frequently asked why what's the interest of this talk and uh, my response would be uh, I I might be mistaken, but uh, we do remember how Ukrainian delegations, Ukrainian side was was negotiating for Minsk agreements for eight years, and never, never during these eight years, uh, Ukrainian delegation made any any concessions. You know, we we did know the plan of Russia. The plan of Russia was quite clear. It was to to attach all, the whole Ukraine to these occupied territories, and to impose yeah these controlled areas and their rules to the whole Ukraine. And we talked for eight years. So this is Ukrainian style diplomacy, just to talk in any in any circumstances to 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 show that we are able to talk and to explain as Zelensky calmly explained to these foreign journalists saying that look i'm i'm ready to talk to putin but i'll explain him the the most important thing about this, this war and the most important thing that they can he can destroy ukraine he can destroy ukraine but while destroying ukraine he will also destroy himself and russia so this is the main message. So this is the main message of Zelensky. And another important message is that it was quite clear for me. He said that there will be no concessions about territorial integrity. It includes uh, Crimea and Donbass. He said that, okay, we can, we, as far as we stop shelling and this direct invasion and the uh, Russian army should go home, and we can postpone talks about Crimea and Donbass to some kind of uh, later, but uh, no concessions, real. So maybe it is kind of compromise he's trying to attract. But we don't, we do know that people who represent Russia in these talks, in these negotiations, they are not uh, leaders in Russia. They are just people sent by Russia just to negotiate, just to, ne- to, to have some talks. This is not um, something serious for Russia itself. And we do know that they violate everything possible during the negotiation. So this is different track, you know, this is diplomatic track, separate from from war. And we do know that real negotiations, they are decided on on the battlefield, in fact. What's going on on the battlefield is much more, is times more important to any kind of agreements or promises made in these negotiations. Yes, and Zelensky, it's interesting that how he every day, he every day communicates with Ukrainians, he every day makes the videos. And uh, what we're trying to explain to you foreign journalists is that 
uh, of course, he's a kind of a, a lead, a, now the, the leader of the nation, obviously. He's now having 93 or something percent of support, even despite there are some voices of criticism, but even people who voted against him. I just remember, for example, yesterday's post of Serhi Jadan, uh, our genius poet uh, and, and writer. And Jadan was very critical of Zelensky. He even made a song, a song, yeah. a song hinti- hinting, hinting that Zelensky will... Uh, actually have the same destiny as Yanukovych and go to Rostov. So the, 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 there is this skepticism of, uh, you know, patriotic Ukrainian uh, society, uh, intelligentsia. There was the skepticism with regard to Zelensky. But I think yesterday, after this, one of the statements that, uh, the statement that um, Zelensky said that Russia will o- only conquer Ukraine when it exterminate everybody, uh Jadan said well this is my president and uh yeah this is this is how society is also evolving so uh, back to his messages during this interview one day ago uh we are defending uh, of Zelensky to public broadcasters we are defending our country but are doing that this inhumane inhumane way we are not torturing people and this is very important our people is our key defender our people is our security allies so right, so the kind of a hint to NATO. Um, what else? Uh, during COVID pandemics, I understood that if something serious happens, we can stay in a small circle of a few states. This is what happened now. So he kind of uh, stays despite all the support, but he stays very critical of of uh, international community. The world has already changed and public opinion will be stronger than any leader, but now leaders are afraid of their own people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is very important. This is very, important, very important, important because Zelensky is somebody who sh- is showing himself as a real democrat, what he with his saying, Narodovladia. So, Narodovladia. So addressing people, not governments. Yes. Yeah. Narodovladia is direct, uh, direct translation from the Greek uh, democracy, the, the power of the of the people and he he's saying that basically well look at for example american society supporting no-fly zone and uh, america not doing that german society supporting you know uh, arms supplies or whatever else and german government is not doing that so uh, he he's criticizing uh, you know, governments, other, other governments, governments for not really following the people. And he's popular within people, I mean, people, European people. And I think this is an extremely strong message, in fact, because he's addressing people like he did here in Ukraine when he won the election. He's addressing foreign people. I mean, people like like ordinary people. He's addressing every government, uh, every um, uh, parliament uh, every day. It was uh, today he's addressing um, Assemblée Nationale in France uh, before before it was Bundestag, before it was uh, Israel, uh, before before it was American Congress, so many, many, many parliaments. But at the same time, his message, they are hitting best, I, in, in my opinion, um, these people, I mean, I mean, ordinary people, and we do see, according to what soci- sociology says, is that uh, people are supporting Ukraine much more than the government do. Their government do respective government do, governments do so so this is extremely important and this is a good thing about what we call populism in Zelensky approach because he was a kind of populist in the beginning but this is a very good thing to play because he know that there is a kind of pressure uh, democratic normal democratic pressure of people on the government and in the long run uh, it is a good strategic strategic uh, idea 
Yes, as he says, people became authority in Ukraine and authority became people, and this is wonderful. Ukraine cannot implement Russia's ultimatums. Uh, we can only do it if we cease to exist. Uh, Another thing uh, to mention here is that he was not at, all, uh, not at all aggressive and not at all pathetic about what's going on in Ukraine. He had all, maybe he, he had a right to be aggressive, saying that Russia is an enemy, will destroy Russia. He was not, he, he didn't have, have such kind of rhetorics. Yeah, he's, he's, so he's very human, calm right now. Calm, yes. calm, human, you know, and just showing what we are fighting for. We are fighting for a normal state, a tolerant state. We, uh, we, don't, we do behave normally with people. We don't destroy, don't want to destroy anybody. So this is something uh, also important. Yeah, so now we will probably end on this moment. One thing we want to advise you is to, if you want to help Ukraine, go to the website which was created by our friends, ukrainehelpers.com, ukrainehelpers.com. And you can also find it on our Twitter, Ukraine World. This was Explaining Ukraine podcast. Tiano Harko from Ukraine Crisis Media Center and myself, chief editor of ukraineworld.org. Uh, if you want to support us, you can do it on patreon.com slash ukraineworld. Uh, stay with us and stand with Ukraine.